Hello, I am Joe Rycroft. And I'm Adam Hewitt. Welcome to the Exercise Right podcast, the show where we delve deep into the world of exercise, rehabilitation and wellness. A fun, non-drab approach where Adam and I will be talking about all things exercise, physiology, health and rehabilitation, whilst debunking myths, making some complex science a lot more simple and giving you some tips and tricks to improve your health and well-being. Each week we will host guest speakers who are experts in their field and hear from you, the listener, to answer any of your questions. Good evening, Joe. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Ads. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right, thank you. Feel right. uh, pretty fresh, considering. Uh, yeah. First day back in after after um, holidays. Oh, the, the flow of it all. <laughs> back in the, no one says they're back in the flow after day one of work after a holiday. Nah, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> Only you would be able to say that. Most, well, if it's me, I'm like frantically running around like a headless chicken. Um, wishing I'd with your elephant memory with, with my non-elephant memory nowadays <laughs> by all accounts how have you been how's things yeah very good thanks just got back in from a little run out with ned which is nice oh nice you know, maximizing minutes and seconds of the day as per i know the, <laughs> steep, from you. <laughs> the morning has just suddenly crept in the darkness in the morning for me yeah so i'm yeah. my yeah, my wake up is now getting ready in the dark a little bit, so it's changing slowly. Oh, no. Anyway, talking of um, exercise, who have we got on today? We have Orla, um, who is a women's health physio. Um, super excited. It was going to match really well with last week's episode with um, us blabbering on about our advice and sort of thoughts on on prenatal. Um, expert in now. And now, yeah, exactly. All will come in and, and, and tell us where we basically got it all wrong and uh, correct us. So this is good. So if you listened last week, you can put that one to one side. <laughs> <laughs> no, all is great. She's, um, yeah, she specialised in injury, postnatal um, and returning to high performance. And um, just really intrigued to see what the expert opinion is. So uh, yeah, I'm I look excited. forward to it. Let's go, shall we? See you on the other side. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Exercise Right podcast. Um, today we have Orla, who is a women's health specialist and physio. Really excited. Um, we had wanted to do a little bit of a, a series, if you like, on women's health and following from last week's episode, if you didn't listen already, about our, um, our recommendations on um, prenatal and sort of working into pregnancy. Um, and today we have probably an expert who's going to tell us we got it all wrong. <laughs> and uh tell us where we got things incorrect but um i'm delighted to have all on the show um Ola, welcome to exercise right podcast thank you very much adam and joe and adam thanks very much for having me on i really appreciate it so just for a little bit about myself uh, my name is ordo regan uh as you can tell i'm not english i'm irish so i live in yorkshire and as a backstory i have to get lost <laughs> yeah everyone always asks me how did you end up there so random um and I have just recently about 18 months ago I opened up my own private physiotherapy clinic so we've solely focused on MSK and then we also do quite a lot of women's health on the side but it's majority MSK and then recently this year of 2023 I opened up an online women's rehabilitation service and that's been going unbelievable Brilliant. So just as like a background. You've forgotten to mention your podcast as well. 
fellow podcast host over here. <laughs> I do indeed. <laughs> well, that's a podcast called Alpha Female. Yeah, um, so that's, which that's... you guys must listen to, obviously after this one. Yeah. But uh, you must listen to it as well. Yeah, the idea with Alpha Female is just giving back the strength to women so you usually hear about about an alpha male and I just thought you know what let's go for alpha female it's a good strong name and it's exactly what I want it to represent so yeah normally what we do here is quite a lot of my clients are just postnatals usually about six to eight weeks and we usually do a postnatal checkup six to eight weeks and then what we do is rehab them all the way back down to very end stage of return back to running. So you're looking at between three to nine months. Some people are 12 months based on how they are and then when they come in. Now I've only had, I've had one person actually recently and she's the first person that I've met and she hit every single benchmark from the very beginning. And I couldn't believe it. And she was actually um, a yoga teacher before. So she used to do about 30 to 35 hours of yoga. And the strength that she had was unbelievable literally unbelievable and I spent honestly about 20 minutes in shock because I was like waiting for her to fail one thing and she didn't normally everyone fails quite a lot as you can probably tell but what we do is we go through everything from external assessments and internal assessments so and we also make sure that we find out about their medical history and we go based on what people want to do as a goal everyone's goals are so different so we see women who want to go back into CrossFit And then let's say, for example, I have someone at the moment and they just want to go back to netball once a week. So everyone is different. And that's why I absolutely love the pelvic health area, because it's not just niche down to athletes. It's for everyone. Um, In general, when we're doing an assessment, we also go through day to day habits Mm. from bathroom habits to sit to stand. So functional um, movement and we do movement screening on top of that. When we're also doing the assessment, we also look at, let's say, anything from like C-sections to diastasis recti. Have you ever heard of diastasis recti? Uh, we have, but for the listeners, um, tell, us what it, tell, tell us what it is and so maybe what, what I, the assessments look like when you're testing for yeah. diastasis recti. So normally what we do is I always use simple words and that's like the number one thing. And I think that's what when the women and clients come in, they really appreciate it. So we just simplify it all down. So imagine you have two muscles running up from your pubic bone, so the bottom, all the way up towards your chest. And when you have a baby, it starts sometimes opening up a little bit, just give that baby space. Afterwards, it may not come back as close as what it usually does. So sometimes people may have one finger depth in between, some people may have three. We base it on certain areas of the belly, and that's when you can see, let's say, a dome will will occur on the belly itself. Um, On top of that, we look at the the abdominal strength in general, and we also look at the the strength of the pelvic floor. So the pelvic floor itself, imagine a hammock, and the hammock goes from top to bottom like that. It holds everything from support, absorption, and what we want to do is make sure that it's not overactive and it's not underactive. We need to also make sure that it's coordinating correctly and has the endurance. So the reason why I'm bringing up endurance is because If we don't have endurance, we may lead to incontinence. So incontinence is essentially when someone wheezes themselves by accident or you poo yourself by accident. So when someone comes in and let's say they have may have a little bit of incontinence and they wean themselves when sneezing, coughing, if they're if they find that they're running 
and they get to, let's say, 2K runs or 5K runs and they end up leaking, that endurance, they've hit their limit and the muscles can't hold it, essentially. So you have it, you think about it as if it's like any other muscle. And I think a lot of people don't see it like that. So what I try to do is I always compare it to if you had an ACL operation, so it's similar enough to a C-section, you look at it the exact same, you retrain it the exact same, you look at the principles. So when we do it, we're also looking at, let's say, power and endurance. So for power and endurance, that's why when you combine both of them, you'll have a healthy pelvic floor. If you don't, you know all about it. So the problem that comes with that, you'll find within, let's say, especially women who've had babies, they'll wear pads every day. They'll make comments like, oh, I can't jump on that trampoline. Are you crazy? Mm. Little comments like that. Oh, I can't join CrossFit. Like, oh, I don't want to wee myself. But the problem when it comes to the literature is people are too, they're even too embarrassed to even mention it. So I've had people come in for the assessment and they refuse to talk about it. So you can see the stigma that comes with it. So I have to break down that ice barrier, everything within like five to 10 minutes, because I need to get all the information out and get them on the best uh, treatment plan as possible. So the stigma with it is just, it's a bit ridiculous because you come for help. You can't even get the words out. So that's why I always try to use very simple language. And when I compare it to a knee or compare it to an elbow, people relax a lot more. Um, so there's a few other bits that you can actually consider. So let's say when someone starts the pelvic floor exercises early in pregnancy or during pregnancy, there's, I think it's off the top of my head, 69% less likely to experience incontinence after post postpartum. And then one in three women will experience pelvic floor dysfunction in their lifetime. And then two out of three, they'll experience some form of incontinence postpartum in their lifetime. So that's affecting a lot of people. And the area that we're in, it's just so underrated and I don't think there's enough awareness on it so when I opened up the clinic because geographically I'm in a, like I'm in the fourth smallest town in the UK or sorry if anyone's listening from Ripon they're going to kill me <laughs> city, city. <laughs> small we can edit that bit out don't we <laughs> you're in one of the you're in one of the best counties so it's all right oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah here we go <laughs> yeah definitely but yeah, we're in this, the fourth smallest. There's only those that live in the county, but then, you know, I'll let that go. <laughs> yeah, the fourth smallest city. Um, so obviously the it's more like a village and it's very much community-based. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to niche myself down into just women's because I knew I wouldn't be able to accommodate for everyone. So when, when the clinic got up and running, I thought, okay, well, this is the time to actually do it and let's move it online. So even though, let's say, we can't do an internal assessment, so based on how the, someone is, we won't accept them, let's say, if it was a severe prolapse. But if, let's say, it's a grade one prolapse or if they had diastasis recti, we can accept them. And then we can have a bigger impact on women and we can start the movement. So that's the idea. We can start breaking down this barrier completely and just get the topic going and me personally, I think in the next five to 10 years, I really do believe that 
everything about the female athletes, everything about the female body is about to just explode. Mm. And I think people are just going to start really researching because the research isn't there. Like there's too much gender bias. And I just think it's just, it's, it's a great time to be there because it's, when else are we ever going to see such a movement happening in the I next can, 10 I, I years? Can, I completely agree. I think that um, that's part of the reason why, you know, I was really keen to bring you on the podcast, but also really keen to start talking about women's health and start talking about things like incontinence because there doesn't need to be that almost embarrassment to it. Um, the numbers it means you're not alone if it, in a really simple way and the essence of this podcast is absolutely that we're not we're not focused on trying to have gender bias we're not focused on trying to bring you know get getting the fit fitter if you like because i think that's just kind of where the fitness po podcasting world is um we're very much more about actually let's break down what dissectors recti is let's break down what it is to have a prolapse and what the first steps are let's talk about incontinence openly um what are the next steps when you have had a C-section? What's your watches out? What's your watch outs? Yeah. And what's your recovery journey like? So no, it's it's it makes I mean perfect sense, and it's it's fantastic to have you on. Do you find that you talk about those goal sort of goal markers, the the the, the markers you spoke about with the yoga ladies fashion them all? Do you find there's a correlation between um, mental health and those people that physically, I guess, recover better, um, or is it is there a separation to it? I have found that the clients who've exercised before, like on a day-to-day, -day, mm. continued it through and then come see me, they've already done half my work. Yeah. Or in the yoga, the yoga teacher, she's already done majority of my work. I find that the ones who are scared to do exercise are scared to do anything they're not they're even too scared to do pelvic floor exercises in case like something happens they're the ones that I need to do the most work with not only just like physical to functional the endurance it's also the psychological aspect so it's good because you can always give more but it's bad because if that stigma wasn't there and they were exercising before on a day-to-day -day, it would be easier for them and at least I don't know whether postpartum depression would decrease, but based on what I've seen, the women who exercise on a day to day, even if it's 10 to 15 minute walk, they don't seem to suffer it as much. So if you're working with, with women, right, you say from, you know, before pregnancy, through pregnancy, post pregnancy, and you talk about pelvic floor exercises. Are the exercises that you prescribe the same through those different phases? And if so, are there some kind of like top exercises that you'd recommend for women who might be listening to the podcast at the moment? Yeah. Um, one Number one thing that I would do is um, a mindful breathing exercise because you need to make sure you can relax it. So you need to make sure that you can relax the muscles. If you start doing 200 Kegels a day, as they say, you it's overactive. So then you, there's more pain. So if you can learn to relax it first and then you start incorporating. So what I do is I split it down into subcategories. So we do a pelvic floor. So let's say we do a quick flick and we do a hold and then we do a normal. Then we, then we incorporate, let's say your core, you incorporate the glutes and then we have a squat. 
So when we're also bracing, we incorporate all together. So based on each person, it's very hard to say a squat is very good for menopause because I might have, let's say, a 50, 45 year old woman, 55 year old woman, and they're going through menopause, but they don't exercise and they like to sit home crocheting versus let's say I might have someone else. It's it's hard. So what I do is I always base it on the person and what they do on a day to day. So, for example, I have one. And what we're doing at the moment is a sit to stand with a pelvic floor. So it's incorporating already the movement itself because they found that anytime they stood up, they leaped. I think it's a good, really good rollover from our last week's episode where we're talking about prenatal. So this episode now talking mainly about postnatal. But one of my key points in that was that people always talk about trimester one, two, three. Um, I wanted to make a point where we're talking about actually if you're planning to have a baby start the exercise program in there start looking at your healthy lifestyle start looking at your exercise prescription at that point because it might take a few months to get pregnant but actually if you're there you've got you've had 12 weeks even before you've got pregnant and you're in a better place to start with um what's your opinion on that i think uh, i agree with you i think even before you whether you're pregnant or not or if you're going to get pregnant i think having a day-to-day exercise plan is always the best and when you, what do they say? 21 days to break, to get into a habit or break a habit. So the idea is what I try to do is we want you to be able to do an unconscious movement of pelvic floor exercises. So at the very beginning, you are conscious. You're doing something completely different than what you normally do. But it's getting it to a level where you don't notice it, but you're doing it, let's say, three times a day. So if you're doing it three times a day over, let's say, two years, it's going to be a healthy pelvic floor. And if you start walking let's say 30 minutes a day going from no nothing to 30 minutes a day it's going to have an impact like you're going to have the endorphins you're going to feel better in yourself and then when you do get pregnant and you let's say hopefully you're exercising before that anyways especially with strength you can bring it up and then obviously when you when you're pregnant you can start reducing the weights and then you can continue on because it will have a better effect afterwards and not only that you you won't have much of a as much of a, a negative body image than before if you hadn't done it. And that's just based on personal experience. It's not based on statistics. That's just what I've seen in the clinic. Now, I think that's a really good point when you, you're making there in terms of you're not, people might be coming to see you for their pelvic floor health. But if we think about general health and, you know, long-term health, it's it one, you know, it's that first domino yeah. falling um, and, you know, decrease cardiovascular risk improve mental health um so what I say to all the women um see I've had a few let's say they go to the GP and they were kind of confused what the GP said so then they end up coming to us and that's for the the six to eight week uh, checkup but quite a lot of them are conscious over like how much weight they've put up so the first thing I do because let's say someone's mentioned about the weight the first thing I do is say I do not care what weight you wear once you are strong and healthy and that literally always breaks the ice straight away and that's normally with all my female clients because whether that's let's say taking off t-shirt and they want to be feel comfortable I say I don't I don't care like I'm here to help you and you're you're asking me for help this is what I'm doing so don't worry about anything like that and I think that just gives them so much reassurance what would you suggest to as kind of like a uh, early stage rehab program because I find that at that particular moment and we certainly found this personally that 
you you leave hospital everything is like oh my god it's about baby you're there learning how to change a bloody nappy um and then suddenly it's like actually i need to recover and i need to recover really quickly and i find that yeah after a couple of weeks after maybe three to six to then six to 12 weeks there is that plan but in those early stages apart from rest of course because you have to would you have any suggestions for those that do go through c-section yes immediately you use compression you move little and often you take a lot of rest um i know a few that wear quite a lot of nappies and that's what they're comfortable in i think from zero to 12 weeks it's focusing on healing so let's say if i had someone with c-section and they come into me at like a week eight if that's if the scar hasn't healed i'll ask them to come back in a couple of weeks and when it does i assess it just to make sure that there's no scar tissue that's too thick or if it's looking quite red or irritated and we go through a plan because another i suppose barrier is when people think of a c-section they think of the baby not the woman and the way i think about it is if i'm going to get let's say in a let's say I had Achilles rupture and they took it out of my hamstring you rehab the hamstring so why don't you rehab the c-section which is what we do Mm. so we do focus quite a lot on it and with that when you have a c-section a lot of women they're so upset with the overhang so it's reassuring them again and it's making sure that they're not getting upset over this tiny piece of skin going over when it's natural and it is completely okay it happens to everyone but what isn't normal is or is if you wee yourself postpartum you're not you're not you shouldn't be weeing yourself now it's very common to wee yourself but it's not normal and that's when the problems lie so there's so this is what's really fascinating about pelvic health physio there's so many gaps and we're we're about to fit start filling in those gaps in the next five ten years and on and it's just going to get more interesting. Like there's books coming out every single, every single year. There's new podcasts coming out. Like if on the top of my head, I would say I'm on six different courses at the moment because you're constantly trying to keep up w- with research because it keeps changing. I read this morning that you shouldn't do your pelvic floors before six weeks. And then I read later on, you should do your pelvic floors. That was actually, that was actually going to be one of my questions in that, Certainly, I find, and we spoke about this um, in a recent podcast when we talk about osteoporosis and osteopenia, is that there's a huge array of, of empirical research, of journals, of articles, but they conflict. Um, you know, you recommend one thing, and then the next article says you can't do it at all. Um, my, from my perspective, and how I go about my exercise description with my patients is I break it down into looking at making nothing impossible but ensuring that the corrective exercise pathways are done in in the first as first format um what would what are you finding uh with that conflicting evidence conflicting science and how do you go about navigating around it normally what i do is i just look at it as if um as a critic so i look at the year i look at how it is what are the experiments around it what's the parameters around it um who's it endorsed by um there is let's say return to running there's only one guideline and that was only brought out recently by granny donnelly from absolute physio she was the first person to bring out return to running like the research is just not there 
But that's why I'm emphasizing so much. Instead of using it as the gap, we look at it as a really exciting time for us because this is when all the mistakes will happen, but this is when all the learning process will happen. When majority of the papers will start coming out, whether that's RCTs or if it's like peer reviews, but that's what we need because the physios who are doing it, they don't have the time to do the experiments. So we need more people to get into it and we need more the movement to start on it. That's a, that's a great point there in terms of evidence coming from research and actually application to clinical practice then vice versa, actually getting clinical practice doing, you know, taking part in the studies to produce the evidence that's usable by clinic clinicians. Um, there's, there's, there's obviously a lot of evidence emerging and you've, you've talked about different uh, experiences that you've had in clinic. From the perspective of if we kind of go later down the lifespan, so women that perhaps had children um, 10, 20 years ago, um, where there was probably even less advice out there on pelvic floor health. And now yeah. they're kind of, you know, they've perhaps hit menopause and they're then dealing with the challenges associated with things like prolapse. What would you say to them if they're, you know, suffering with perhaps incontinence or stuff like that and they haven't yet spoken to anybody? That happens all the time. Um, so someone will come in with a knee problem and we'll start going through, oh, we've I've pessary fitted. Okay, what's the reason? And then it all comes out. So normally I would say eight out of 10 times, it's they didn't know what to do. So they put pessary in. It, I wear a pad every day. I don't mind. No, like It doesn't bother me. So what I do then is I just basically, because they've come in for one issue, another issue has come across. So I mention it to them and say, look, we can't do it now. In the future, if you want, we can go down that route if you want and if you don't want what I can do is I can give you advice so normally what I do is I provide them with a pdf based on their symptoms so I'll ask them quickly different types of symptoms that they have and then I can give them pdfs based on that and then later on that evening so let's say they come in for the day they've got their exercises all the plans but they've added I've added value to them because they've asked me not like they, they came in for one thing I've given them for an extra thing so it's given them that extra bit of let's say patient information leaflets and they really appreciate that. And then the next time they come in, normally they usually come in and say, oh, I did my exercises this week. And that's what I want to hear. But they're not talking about, let's say, the strengthening the of the pads. They're talking about the pelvic floor because they're very proud of it. And it's just, unfortunately for that generation, there was no awareness to it. It's what happened. That's and what do, happened. Do you, think, do you think it's, or do you see women coming in who are incontinent or have quite bad incontinence and rehabbing themselves back to like full continence? Is that, is that possible? It depends on the person, but yes. Um, I would see, I would see, let's say a lot of people that would wear pads when I know at their age, there wouldn't be a need to wear a pad. Mm. So I would never, I would never ever bring it up unless they brought it up. So I would just give them as much information as I can. And then let's say we're focused on, let's say, shoulder bursitis. And then let's say three months on, I'll mention it and ask them like a quick review. Normally they improve and they're saying, oh, yes, I have noticed. So what I do is I get them, I say, in your own time, do a diary. I want to know what you've eaten, what you've drank. When do you go to the bathroom? How often do you go to the bathroom in the evening? How often do you go to the bathroom during the day? And normally 
the ones that end up having very bad incontinence, they drink a serious amount of coffee. So what I do is I recommend if you like your coffee, how about we just start swapping it in with, let's say, decaf, then let's say swapping it with tea, let's swap it to water. So instead of me just saying you can't drink anything else, we slowly start incorporating it because you can't do you can't just flip your lifestyle around. It has to be slow and steady. So for anyone who's doing that, what I usually recommend is you're aiming for about a year to two years, because if this is what they've done for 20 years. It's not going to change overnight. It's not going to change in two weeks or three months, but it will take about one to two years because it's them having to do it. It's, it's great. And I, I love the way that you're incorporating that messaging whilst, uh, you know, subtly amongst them coming to see you for completely unrelated conditions. I think that's fantastic. I think there's a lot of practitioners out there that could, um, you know, really start to use that kind of model moving forwards. If um if there's other practitioners and other alpha females listening, what what are your kind of top tips for them in terms of you know you've you've mentioned there one of the strategies that you use, but is there any other messages that you're trying to get out there to practitioners and physios? Um, number one, I would say is know your scope, whether that's a sports therapist or an exercise physiologist. Know your scope. If you feel like a client doesn't have, let's say, a prolapse because she doesn't feel heaviness well wait 24 hours after she exercises ask her then did you have any heaviness last night oh yeah I did that's what they're the symptoms that you need to be keeping an eye out know the symptoms know the signs know your scope and if it's the way I think about it is when someone's aware of their scope and they refer someone else on you've done that person a duty of care and that's the most important thing it's not about how great you are it's not about reputation it's the client so if that client needs more emotional care and maybe let's say a psychologist you can only do it to a certain extent but refer them on correctly I would say number two would be communication you may have an athlete but you cannot talk to an athlete the same as you would talk to let's say a mother of three kids who who's a at home stay home mom you can't talk the exact same you have to you have to adapt your personality and the way you talk to those people because you need you're that person to support them on their journey and if you can't do it you're not going to get the same results as if you just learn so like if you find someone's body language is very closed off okay well what's the reason are they nervous do they want to talk about it you'll find that people will start opening up after about 30 to 40 minutes so you'll find that most information happens at the end or afterwards, the next appointment. And you're thinking, OK, well, that changes. We need to add that on and making note of that. I think another one is not being scared of talking about it, whether you're a male or female, because if you come from, let's say, a family of all males. And you're seeing this on, let's say, social media and you're like, oh, that's disgusting. Well, it's not because unfortunately for you, you also have a pelvic floor. Like people don't realize that men also have incontinence. I had two men in the past six months and they both had incontinence due to a hernia. I think people forget about the other gener- the other gender too when it comes to this. So it's being open-minded. If there's any physios or sports therapists or anyone who likes the pelvic health, keep updated because I just feel like every week it changes. <laughs> yes, yes, he prompted, uh, he prompted one of my questions. You actually prompted one of my my questions there in that um, I think you're absolutely right. I think I find that 
men almost are surprised. I'm like, I'm going to pay my pelvic floor, I'm not doing pelvic floor exercises. That's for women. I'm not doing something like that. And then once you start actually going, but let's give it a go, they're like, I find this really difficult. Um, what's how we're gonna? How can we break down? So love the the drive to build out and and create more knowledge and experience in um, in women and and female health and women's health daringly <laughs> bringing it back to men as well with, with pelvic floor how can we i guess using pelvic floor as a topic how can we get men to understand that prostate care um pelvic floor is correlated um looking at how we can look at incontinence with men and how they can put the value on pelvic floor what what message would you put out there i think that sums down to one thing and that's communication um men are more closed off they don't really want to talk about it and if they even even if they talk to one friend and they mention us that one friend that one friend will more than likely be like actually do you know what you might be right and it's opening up that conversation for men because i know we've come on here to talk about females but it's it's important for both genders or all genders sorry um all genders involved so it just it's one of those that it's you don't want to have gender bias the at the end of the day you want everyone to be supportive of each other and if men don't want to talk about let's say prostate cancer they don't want to talk about how they wee themselves um when they're laughing or sneezing at the same situation well just mention it to one person or even google it and see the form and more than likely someone will mention oh pelvic health physio and it's linking that and it's it's just knowing where to go so like in the last couple of years we've had such movement on let's say mental health so now I feel like it's time for women's health. And, and do you, is the exercise prescription different in regards to pelvic floor exercises when it comes to men and female? They're very similar, very, very similar. So we've talked a lot about people that you work with um, and what you're doing in practice, but what are your goals and plans as Orla, as alpha female? Um. I'd love to keep going with the, obviously with the clinic. I literally, I love the people that come in every day. They're the nicest people that you'll ever meet. For the alpha female, I would like to ramp that up as much as I can. And I want to spread the word. I want to have different projects, whether that's um, one being starting a movement, one being PDFs, one being, let's say, this is um, live courses. Whatever I can do, I would love to do that and just branch out so I've had a few people contact me in different departments but they are women orientated and it's linking up with them to spread the word and say it's not normal but it's very common so I think a lot of people get confused when they say again I wee myself but so does my friend and so does my other friend and it's making sure that they know that it's not actually normal but it is common so with the alpha female, it's just bringing what I know online and making an impact on those people on the day-to-day -day and long-term changes. And I'd be happy with that. Watch this space, hey? Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic and your, you know, your passion and drive for it really like shines through, even, you know, through mm -hmm. a, through a, through a camera and, um speaking to you remotely so you know I can't yeah, imagine what that feels like for patients that are seeing you face to face as well I think that's 
Brilliant. Yeah, half half of them they do leave they do leave and like you know like a motivational speaker. But the <laughs> way it's like do you know I have I've opened up my own clinic. It's doing really well. I'm happy with it. And I could have stayed, but I didn't. I like I just want to make that impact. Like my sister when she had her first baby, she didn't have any pelvic health physio. She didn't have anything, and I was like. I don't understand how can you have all this help when my brother just had an ACL surgery and you had a C-section what's the difference between you and him like at the end of the day the body doesn't know whether a shark took a chunk out of you or if it was a medical procedure it doesn't know so what's the difference between let's say your belly and your knee and that's what I was kind of thinking was okay well at the time I was just starting off as a physio so I was looking at guidelines and I was like where are they where are these guidelines? And I just couldn't find them. So trying to bundle together as a physio to give it to my sister, I was like, I felt like I failed her in a certain way. And I was like, for her next baby, I don't want her to feel like that. And if, let's say my sister-in-laws, if they ever want, if they ever have a baby, I want to be able to, to support them in a certain way. And if that was someone that's so close to me, there has to be thousands of women going through this, the exact same thing. Because if there's one, there has to be loads. They're just silent. I think that's a absolutely brilliant way to to sum up. Actually, um, we have a a traditional question at the end, and okay. um, I'm going to make it a bit more about you. I uh, absolutely love your energy. What music track would you define and you have to personify Ola as your opening to Alpha Female? <laughs> do you want to know something <laughs> i haven't figured out how to add the music to my podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh we can show you we can show you that well, yeah, <laughs> we can... my voice and i'm like hello guys i actually <laughs> don't know how to if you, if you do can you please send me the uh tutorial on how to do it joe is we, your person we we <laughs> we've been there we've been there we'll definitely help you with that you oh, have to we've so got you, only if you give us your song though what what song personifies you I think that I think something that's upbeat and uplifting is probably I won't be able to name a song, but I think anything that's upbeat because it's not it's not serious. Like I am a professional, but I'm also casual. And I think that's what shines through and that's what people like. Because I do let my personality out. Um so something that will reflects that, something bright, uplifting, and vibrant. We love that. And we certainly agree with you as well. Um, we would honestly love to have you back on. I think that um, we've got a little series on, you know, about women's health, like I say, and about also pregnancy and topic, pregnancy topics. Um, but I think it's ongoing. I think we're with you on that quest to get more people more talking. So, um, yeah, we'd love to have you back on. And thank you so much. Thank you very much, guys. I really thank appreciate you. it. Ah, I absolutely loved her. And what... Brilliant is that because messages. she's Yorkshire? Irish in Yorkshire. Well, as you know, I love, the fact that, I love the fact that she understood the Yorkshire accent better than the uh, <laughs> the London accent. But I mean, I will, I will, I'm, I am a Cumbrian girl, but, you know, family are all in Yorkshire, so. For listeners, because yeah. you won't know this, but when you were talking about how to introduce Orla, I said, basically, how would you like to be introduced? And it, she looked at me like I was talking another language. Said, I'm so sorry. I don't understand what a word you're saying. I had to trans- <laughs> tran- translate that more t- southern accent. My ears are more tuned to Yorkshire accent. <laughs> no, oh, brilliant. No. I think, and Fantastic. also just really bite-sized bits of information. I thought, and um, I like the fact that re- she made the point that regardless of where you are, 
if you've had pelvic floor issues for 20 years or pelvic floor issues 20 days you, there is a way out it's just mm. about understanding the journey of it and I love that that's great um also quite <clears throat> quite a little bit of a pat on our back in the fact I think that our knowledge was all right so uh that's yeah no, I think I mean the, the episodes will pair really well and without giving too much away I think there's another episode that's going to come shortly um where we'll hear a bit more from someone who's perhaps experienced some of the challenges that she discussed there so we're going to have quite quite the uh quite the series aren't we yeah and I think we it, yeah I think we're going to try and bring it into a little bit of a, a condensed series so three or four weeks of of this topic would be brilliant but um no great guys and we'll look forward to hearing from you and speaking to you next week be the first to hear about our new episodes and find more information by following exercise right uk on instagram facebook